Welcome to Arrest All Minix. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello, thank you for listening. How are you doing? Are you good? I hope you're well. I hope it's been a busy run coming up to the dreaded quiet Christmas period. Uh, I don't know how you guys find it, but it's impossible to predict and it's always an extreme of some kind. I've had Decembers that are manic. I've had Januarys when I can barely get out of my office chair because I'm panicking and I'm, I'm inundated with work, but I've had years also when it's been pretty scary. Quiet December, quiet January can be a massive slap on the back of the legs. Um, <laughs> that's what I've found. How are you finding it? How's it going this year? I hope it's good. The weather this week is myths, smoke and mirrors. I'm talking to Super Fried, Mark Richardson, fantastic designer, lovely bloke. Going to be talking very openly and very honestly about his design practice. Uh, the smoke and mirrors behind it all in today's industry. His work with the DiCaprio Foundation and a whole other array of things. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, how have you found recent episodes? How did you find Laura Green and uh, previous episode? Fantastic new illustrator. She's been doing it for a while, but she's only recently gone freelance. And we get into the meat and bones of the fear, the thrills, everything that comes with those baby steps, those beautiful and horrible initial weeks where the phone's not ringing, the emails are not coming, um, there's no clients within a country mile, and the work you have to do has to come from the heart, but you're not always feeling it because you're feeling anxious and the rest of it, so we're going to get into all that good stuff, go back and listen now, episode 124, going on there, Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, I hope you enjoyed Dave Haslam, GF Smith's Jane Crowther talking print, tactile, paper, all that stuff. Loads of stuff, always a nice blend of episodes as ever on the show and we've got loads coming up in the back end of the year. Rampaging into 2018, uh, we've got the likes of Jim Sutherland coming up, we've got uh, Tash Wilcox talking about uh, a real array of things from her illustration, Monday in a Day project, uh, to changing her the way she works and the impact of social media, all that good stuff, so keep checking it out. Do share and spread the love, please, at Arrest All Mimics on social. Want to hear from you guys what you've been up to. And also share the podcast if you get a chance. It's good when people shout about the show because I do it. It's a labour of love, passionate about creativity, and it gives me a huge kick when you guys get on board with that. Uh, quick thank you to the crucial sponsors for the show, illustrationweb.com, wonderful illustration and animation agency representing people right across the planet, doing great work, GIFs, animations, live, large-scale lettering, fashion, uh, it's all going on. They've got a wonderful news section up on the website where you can learn about the ins and outs of certain projects, uh, the clients they're working with, and, and what they're up to in general. They're a great bunch of people doing great work in the creative industry, so go and have a look, illustrationweb.com and illustrationweb.com forward slash news for the news section. Um, heartinternet.co.uk, wonderful tech sponsor, giving us a little tip every episode. These guys provide fantastic SEO um, advice, social media advice, hosting, domain names, all the good stuff that you need to get the right presence for your business on social media in 2018 going into 2019. So take a look at that. And also please go and take a look at today's guest, Superfried's website over at superfried.com. I love the way Mark presents his work. It's very clean, it's very simple. A lot of what he does is the absolute antithesis to what I do, which is inky, messy, organic stuff. But there's just such lovely soul and style um, and slickness, if that's such a word, that um, I envy. Not envy, but it's the polar opposite to what I do, you know? So I have a huge admiration of that, and he does it as good as anybody out there. 
Um, go and have a look. He's been doing some absolutely wonderful work recently. Like I said, DiCaprio Foundation going on the Jane Goodall Foundation, if I've got that right. Um, working with DJs, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, but just take a look. I think when you land on the homepage, there's a lovely power. The work is dominant. Uh, it hits you smack in the face. It's, it shows it off in, in the best way possible. Uh, and then the information is laid out beautifully. It's very easy to navigate the website. It's very clean information. It's a pleasant experience. Let's put it that way. You're not kind of fighting the urge to, to run off as we do with a lot of poly design websites. So that's the tip for this episode going with today's guest. So thank you, heartinternet.co.uk. Uh, and last but very not least, the fantastic Association of Illustrators doing great work to support the illustration industry for many, many years now, uh, moving things forward in a big way of late since Ren took over. Uh, so she's doing a fantastic job, doing more events outside of London, uh, getting involved with uh, Q&A sessions, uh, workshops, it's all going on. And of course, uh, the World Illustration Awards, which I'm fortunate enough to be shortlisted over the last couple of years. We're going to get into the topic of awards with Mark today, and does it really matter? Um, yes and no, I think is the answer, which we, which we will talk about. Uh, but I do like the World Illustration Awards. There was a the conversation on the social thread recently, actually, about the price of awards that I kicked off myself. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but I, there's a couple of awards that I was excited about entering, and, and I clicked through to do that. I'd chosen the work, and I was oh smacked in the face by the price, to be quite frank. Very, very expensive for independent designers to enter and maybe it is geared at the bigger organizations and the agencies and and, and if that's the case then then fine but i just i kind of balked at the price and we had a conversation about bringing it down but they weren't willing to meet what i, I thought was acceptable and i just can't justify pumping a load of money into something that has no guarantees you know i think you have to be smart about how you invest your money as a freelancer and it just didn't wash with me so i'm interested to know how you guys feel about that but that said the World Illustration Awards is tremendous, and I'm going to enter it again this year, and it is now open for entry, so get involved. Uh, the V&A Illustration Awards is also open. They're a little bit more limited than the AOI ones, but both worth getting involved with because there are, I think the V&A one is free. The AOI is a small fee, uh, even smaller for members, so it's well worth joining. It's one of the many perks that you get, so thank you to those guys and get stuck in. Good luck, the AOI.com. Um, so Mark Richardson, super fried. Mark does... Tremendous work. Uh, he does design, identity, print digital. Uh, it's very broad and all-encompassing, and I'm not really the man to describe it. I think he's the best man to do that, so that's why I'm going to talk to him today. I love what he does. I like his personality. He's a thinker. It's apparent to see when you first meet Mark that um, he's got one of those brains, much like my own, where he'll go beyond the layers, he'll, he'll delve in there, and, and can be quite self-critical, which I think is a little unfair, because if he's not going to say, I will, I think he's a real talent, and I think he's got a lot to teach anyone, which is why I wanted to talk to him. The truth is, I have 100% editorial control on this show, and I would never have anyone on who I didn't think was doing something very valid that you guys could learn from, so I hope you'll agree, I'm sure you will, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and the AOI. Uh, enjoy the conversation and get us your feedback over please at Arrest All The Mix on social media, all platforms, all the major ones at least. Drop us a little review on the iTunes if you get a second and enjoy. With, 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 with this sort of spray, uh, when you put it on the thing, you can actually control where the water flows. Yeah. So you can get water in these amazing shapes, like these oh, puddles, nice. and then drop the coloured ink in them and then just swirl it around to get these main sort of, sort of um, mild effects, but I kind of didn't really go for it in the end, but it was quite a cool oh, really? process, so I'll definitely bear it in mind. Actually, Troshu used, used the technique once as well. It's, it's nice when you get the opportunity to kind of experiment with a brief like that and, 
and sort of yeah, create he's, the concept. Yeah, he's a good client. He's like a DJ and he's a good client because he, one, he has really good ideas. Um, and sometimes it's tricky because he's got a very set idea of what he wants to do. Hmm. But he is open to just, you know, totally trying different stuff, which yeah. is good. Um, yeah, it's, it's great actually. Yeah, I'm working with. Uh, like these are for a band in Manchester called the Hyena Kill Hard Rock Hard Rock two piece for an EP cover. Yeah, I just kind of I mean you know I didn't have to go and create a set of paintings, but often just within a brief like that, it's really nice when you just get the chance to really initiate the concept and create something because you want to and they like it. You know, so I love the so what you actually sort of dug into the board there. I love yeah. the way that depth into the mouth. That's yes, amazing. so it was. Um, so I, this was kind of the first one I've done in a while, which is an original. The one behind you there. The, kind of it, it, this, this, that was originally sat in a frame and then I painted lettering over the top on the glass straight on the glass these, like these, these yellow ones uh, well those but then that one I, I put in a frame and kind of painted over the top saying Netflix and kill and it was kind of a it was a piece about the dangers of political ap- apathy among young people basically Yeah. Um, and one of the artists in my studios in London I was sharing with said I'd, I'd like to see you push the depth between that other kind of glass and that even further and kind of dig in and and as soon as she said it I just thought foam board if I mounted a load of sheets of foam board together I could really burrow into it and do it go a bit Anish Kapoor you know and get the kind of nooks in there and let the paint kind of really bleed in so that's kind of I'm hoping that's the beginning of what might be a new process of doing that so but yeah it's been been really nice actually to go a bit three-dimensional with it yeah because that's what was so nice when I got to do some um, like laser cut type with Fred Elders recently it was just so cool because I started dabbling with uh, Cinema 4D because I couldn't make, uh, or I, I wasn't good enough in Photoshop to create what I could have done, but it had been so laborious and so complicated, and I, I wasn't going to look realistic enough to get some of the ideas I was experimenting with type. And then so I dabbled with C4D mm. um, a bit just to sort of try and get some of these ideas working, but then to actually get it physically cut out of you know, yeah. plastic and actually fits like it was so it was so nice. It's like wow actually it actually yeah. exists, you know. It's great, isn't it? And then I had this idea that I ran by um uh laser uh um Liam the other day and um I don't, I don't it was a bit it was a bit of a bold idea. I think it was because I said to him, so I said, Have you ever made things that are big enough to walk into? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. I was like, Wow, but I'm having this idea and I think he was like Yeah. And it can be quite hard finding projects and clients that have got the scope and a willingness to go actually that into something and really go for yeah, it. Yeah, because the idea was to sort of literally just sort of actually create like letter forms you could physically walk into. Yeah. So then it becomes rather than um, a letter form, it actually becomes architectural. Mm. And I even had the idea before physically making it like an exhibit, because I've seen you could even do it with just like laser projections or holographic projections rather than physically construct yeah. it. Um, I was thinking before that I was even going to I might even still this where I was going to create take some forms that I'd made in Cinema 4D but then change the perspective so you're looking from within it so at first you feel like you're in like just a building mm. a really obscure building with all these like, different materials but then get like an animator involved and then as you sort of pan out of it and pan round you realise you weren't in a building you was actually within a character Yeah. so that'd be quite interesting but I thought if you extrapolate to the next level then you've got fucking exhibit and you've got people walking Absolutely, in and yeah. that'd be quite mad because you're like in this you know what it feels like to be inside Hel- Helvetica or uh... <laughs> well, yeah, but I, but something more like well obviously there'll be like bespoke because mm. I, I sort of always try and well usually I try and make it as illegible as possible because I think legibility is overrated so it's interesting you say that because I had um, Adrian Shaughnessy on the show and he, was, he said he was really fond of pushing design to you know the, the furthest point of legibility that he could and then yeah. I was quite fascinated by borderline illegible yeah because for me I like trying to reduce it down to 
the 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 what because it's interesting because when you look at like say words when they sometimes only the experience where they take letters away and so forth and you can still read it mm. and then you can do the same with letter forms you can remove parts but then you can still tell what letter is supposed to be and then also it's context as well so sometimes with some of the things I design individually you just you would not necessarily know which characters but as soon as you put it in context of other letters you can immediately see what letters it's supposed to be so I find that interesting because I'm there I'm not I'm not I'm not a typographer, I'm not interested particularly in, and I know nothing about typography, which is funny, everyone assumes I know about typography, I don't know anything about typography, I, I don't know hardly any typefaces. Um, you know, the, the, when I used to work in a shared studio space from guys down in London, the guy who knew, knew the most about type was the web developer in the corner because he was obsessed by them, oh. and he knew more, and yet the other people in the studio I shared with were known for doing experimental mm. type, and like he came past my, my screen once and said, oh, you're using such and such, like, how did you know that? I don't. I don't even. I don't even know what it's called. And he saw it like like that, split second, and straight away. He was so good at um, picking up which the the little in you know yeah. intricacies. Whereas for me, to do like a, I've got I've I've done I've released one typeface that can be considered a normal typeface, mm. and it was the hardest one because you you go away, you try to get the weights right, and you go away, you have a cut, you come back, it's like, oh no, it looks fatter now, and then like you just you come back, it's like. Looks, no, it doesn't looks thinner, and it's like I haven't got. You've got to have <laughs> such meticulous eye, yeah. and you've got to have also get so technical and so, and then it becomes more like a, it's more like a science. I think it's mm-hmm. almost like engineering. It's going into such, and I haven't got the patience for that. Um, and for me, that's why that's no reason why I ended up doing um, number sets, because I didn't want to do more typefaces. I got really frustrated. Um, seeing my typefaces being used for these projects where really I wanted to do the projects you know I was like okay yeah, that's interesting yeah, you know what yeah. I mean and then especially when you sort of it's quite frustrating when you sort of say you get given like a sort of a desktop fee of like I know you might make say Excel's was like £20 and you might make 50% so you might make a mm. 10 or something like that but then you sort of think wait a minute they've got practically a whole brand identity out of that <laughs> it's like something's not right here yeah um, so then I, and also because it's a lot of work you've got to do a minimum of 266 characters Mm, so then I, yeah so then I was like um, and I only got into type by accident it was only because I'd done lots of logos over the time and I'd always tried to create these bespoke you know letter forms and now I was like thinking, oh I wonder if they could become complete typeface anyway so I then started thinking right I don't want to do typefaces anymore because it's unless you're real if you're unless you're a real typographer that's where you can actually make decent money and sell bigger volume and as it should be because they're the real experts mm. so now I thought right okay I still like experimenting with type but if you just create one letter it's like well it's kind of a bit random but if you create a number set it's you can then do a sort of project with it and it makes sense because you've, you've got the full set effectively mm. um, and that's only 10 characters and numbers <laughs> are great because you can just experiment with them so much so then that's why my personal projects have just every time I've got a style I think oh that's got some legs or something that hasn't been used by a client I think oh I might see if that works as set yeah. numbers and that's just really, um, and then the irony is, is that I remember way back at school, I managed to get some work experience as uh, graphic designers, and um, and showing my age here, but they they didn't have like loads of computers. They had one computer for typesetting, and the rest of it was all done like old school with the mm. sort of cutting perspex and all this sort of stuff. Out. And uh, and this particular agency don't exist anymore. They were uh, quite specialist with type, and I was like, oh, no, type's boring. I just want to do pictures. And the irony is now, I you know experiment a lot more with type now. And it's so 
bizarre how and I'm, and you know no formal design education whatsoever either which is you know yeah and it's so bizarre how it's all, all goes full circle it's fascinating isn't it I had, a, I had a free photography module on my graphic design BTEC and I went to the pub every time Thursday afternoon came back pissed just just as I signed register and just completely sacked it off and I love photography now and I and I you know I've had to go back and t- I only do it as a hobby but I teach myself the basics and I had to go over all that rigmarole again and think you fucking idiot but then at the same time the other the argument is that the social side of that was good for me as well so it's kind of yeah that's, that's it <laughs> you're not ready to see sometimes are you yeah and that's the thing is because now when I think about it like um because when I was at school, like I was sort of a bit of an all rounder, and but then when you're not sure what you wanted to do, they always back then. I hope it's changed now because it's it used to be too focused on academic. Like basically, if you was academic, they're like they considered that me. I sort of just looked at this course where you, it was like an, it was it took up the whole time, like after the post school course, and it would have involved like design, photography, um, everything, all, all disciplines. And um, and they were literally like looking at me as if like oh, no, that's 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 beneath you. You can't do that. You have to go the A level route if you're reasonably mm. bright. And it's so, it's it's crap. Like it's so ridiculous. Like because then you know you got we've got such a shortage of certain skills in engineering and all sorts of in this country. And I think part of it is because of this 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 kind of like idea that this is better than this. Yeah. And like try telling a sixteen year old in Germany who's been told to strip a car down to bolts and put it back together again, they're not clever. I, I, could, I if I had to do that I'd just wet myself. I wouldn't even know to start. Well, we, you need a rounded society, exactly. especially in the digital environment we live in now. It's you know the, the need for creativity and innovation and free yeah. thinking is is uh, more than ever yet to be the bearer of bad news. I think for speaking to teachers it's worse than ever. It's it, 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 to to that point, I mean, you know the, not to go down the political route I'm sure listeners have heard me bang on it about many times but removing art from the e-back and all that kind of stuff and undermining it despite the fact that the creative industry is bringing the vast amount of money it does for this country like you know growing at twice the rate of it's preposterous but I, I don't understand well, that, well that's what frustrates me, frustrates me as well because like, the other day someone put that stat about how much money and the creative industry brings to the country um, GDP etc and then as I, I end up posting a reply saying yeah but it's almost like I was like, that's great, but so what if like the average graphic designer earns less than the average salary of the country? Mm-hmm. Where's the benefit for the actual people that are really in the industry? Yeah, there is that, I mean? that side of it and too, then, yeah. And yeah. then the other side is interesting. I was talking to a lecturer at uni, and she used to be a designer way back. And she said, you know what? I said, oh, they must be so like full of ideas and like, you know, blah, blah. She said, do you know what? The frustrating thing is, she said, I was given this brief, and they're like, oh, so what should we do? She's like, that's oh, yeah. you, you yeah. should be like brimming full yeah, of yeah, ideas yeah. you're young you, you you know what you shouldn't need me to direct you Go. One, one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the issues there is there's I think there's a less and less kind of foundation courses now and, and that kind of middle ground which is certainly for me is where I learned to become an adult a little bit more and stepped out of that kind of subservient school thing where you have a planner and you give you fed your lessons and the rest of it suddenly you're at college and everyone's having a fag out of coffee outside when they want to go to the toilet when they want and that's all quite liberating so you do you tend to grow into that and become a bit of a thinking adult and you know your shooters are a bit more likely to become your friends all of a sudden and by the time I got to uni I was ready for it but when you come straight from high school and go straight into uni it's almost like that 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 middle ground is gone and it's like so they come in expecting to be told what to do and, and that's then a whole different challenge for the lecturers to break that cycle of thinking yeah well, this, well this, this is the, the thing for me though it's really fascinating to see because as I didn't study design at all I've got no kind of idea of what you should know from school or yeah. uni and what you shouldn't coming into the industry so I've heard a lot of people say a lot of people when they come out of uni they're not ready for 
to do the, the, the real job. Um, so I did a talk at Shillington recently and it's interesting because when I did the talk there was a lot of questions on it and like they all really wanted to know loads of stuff and and I think it was possibly because they're thinking literally I've only got two weeks before I'm out there <laughs> yeah sort of thing and my talk was like literally I was just going through I wanted it to be a value so I literally said look the only benefit of being around this long is that you make a lot of mistakes and here's 10 things that you, if you can just avoid one of these yeah. I'm, I'm actually helping you yeah don't do the following yeah. and um but then I went on a talk with um brand new Radim he did a talk at Salford mm. and because they were at uni I think they had a longer time frame they were just really not that bothered <laughs> they were literally thinking yeah yeah whatever when yeah. can we get, get yeah. out of here and it's really interesting seeing the complete difference between the two. Yeah. Maybe also though with Shillington, I've heard I don't I don't know much about it all, but I've heard it costs a lot as well. So maybe also if they're paying for a lot mm. of for it, they're thinking right, I've got to get my money. To it's interesting, it. isn't it? Yeah, because there are two dynamics. So there's you you find the negative side of it where now the the students feel like they're a customer because of the nine grand a year tariff. So therefore they feel like they're entitled to sit back and be given everything as a as a client, whereas actually artistic education has traditionally always been about just a space to play and then lectures to ask questions you know but then to offer another another perspective on that I was I was asked to go to do a talk in Cardiff at a design industry event uh, just an evening in a pub basically and a lot of designers got together and then this was full of those people like you mentioned that had come out of uni and all of a sudden gone oh like now I've got well how to commercialise this stuff so they were hungry they wanted to know everything and they were there passionately and you were like okay this is the audiences that are good to talk to but yeah it's, it is interesting there's that bubble at uni and until you get out there and suddenly have to sign on or whatever it's, it's fucking frightening when it happens but because yeah, well, well, I, I also I, I get like people have got this perception of my company like that it's this big thing you know and it's it's really funny and it's and it, someone on Twitter mentioned the same situation where people just make these assumptions and I even had this conversation with um, Nick from, um, you know, be a founder of Gluck. Yeah. And we just got into a chat on direct message and stuff. And it's so funny, we even, each of us had complete misconceptions of, you know, because you assume, oh yeah, you must be doing great. It's like, it's not, it's not quite as rosy as it looks. <laughs> and, and it's just this smoke and mirrors thing. And, and even worse, probably in the industry, because we are supposed to be good at making things look as good as they can look and give across the desired perception that the, the, the client and their, they want their brand to be perceived. That's our job. So therefore, we're, we should also be masters at projecting a certain, you know. <laughs> yeah. And But the thing, the downside is it's like, all oh, right, really? Oh, oh, okay. And then, and, and we're sort of, and you know, and, but that's kind of, that's why these are great though, these kind of talks and these interviews because you can then try and actually get rid of the myth like just because people assume as soon as you've been featured in a magazine once mm -hmm. or you've been featured in a couple of blogs or you've done you've worked for a client that perhaps someone's heard of yeah ah oh, you must be absolutely making it breaking it you must be inundated with constant like briefs it's like unfortunately the reality is not the case no and, the, and some really well-known designers I used to they're like top of the tree um that I used to share Shio space with um they said ah oh, you know once you've had a feature like that because I got featured in computer arts once, and um, was it computer arts? Anyway, one of them. Anyway, and he, they just went, "Oh, this is where it starts. This is where it starts to, and you'll start. It'll start to really just go from like that." And I was like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what happened for us." <laughs> and I was just thinking, "Well, it's <laughs> it's not happening the way you say." And this is where I think it's down to the fact that they're them and I'm me. They their yeah. work is just unbelievable, and they just. 
we're on this, uh, they've got this sort of, they have this assumption where it's just, well, as long as you work hard, you will get there. But I don't totally believe that. I still think there's different levels. I really do. There's some, yeah. yeah, hard work is, again, it's, it's where that's, you, that's a given. It's where you apply it. We could, I could say, you know, I used to sit in 16 hours a day when I first got started because I had this chance to do what I loved. But if you if you point them in the wrong direction, it just doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's working smart as well as hard. I know it's a real cliche, but it's true. It's like if you don't know where to apply those hours and the hard work. And, and anyway, I mean, I know guys who've been going twenty years in the industry, and I, you know, I bump into them regular, and they're on quiet six week quiet spell. And it's like, like you say, I think there's a lot of editing that goes on, especially on social media. Yeah, and there, but then it is interesting. There's some of who was I, I did a uh, I used to do a blog thing, and I need to pick it up again, and I did. Uh, one of the people I featured was um, uh, um, uh, Stephen Bonner and it was interesting because he said that for him that it did happen that one project was one that he can pinpoint was that was the trigger oh, yeah. once that one project happened it just captured people's attention yeah. and then from then it just spiralled and so it is interesting how it can happen oh, absolutely. Um, but I think it's just sometimes just timing or sometimes you just catch on, as, as you you develop a new style or a different Absolutely. look, or you do something that just ca- ta- happens to be in, like you know that's that's what people are looking for at that time. Yeah. Um, but then you know also I think, I do believe also there's a sort of, ultimately you when you're hiring anyone in this industry you're hiring for their their brain basically, mm-hmm. and I think consequently some people are gonna be you know progress maybe to a high level now just because they just think in a in, in a in a more in a way you, you know you can't um you can learn a lot of things but you can't i don't think you can necessarily learn how to think a certain way mm-hmm. like when you think about like that we used to uh, i used to work in this company i only had two proper jobs like sort of thing and and it was working with this terrible company and the designers there though were very good but the funny thing is we did this survey like where you sort of see what personality type you are and out of the whole studio I think only one or two came up as creative and the rest of them came up as more logical which mm. in most of them makes sense because we're, we're actually trying to basically you lot of time problem solve and you're taking information trying to make it more accessible trying to make it make sense mm. and blah blah but the one who was really creative he was he was the one who where you'd have like a brief and you'd work through all the rubbish ideas so he gets a good idea and then he just straight away though he'd come up with some really weird abstract idea I'm like where the hell did that come that's brilliant <laughs> how did you get to that and he just just because it's the way he thinks you can't learn how to think that way that's the way his brain is wired mm-hmm. but really he but the frustrating thing for him is he wasn't the best designer so he'd come up with, yeah let's go with that right three of you do a route on this and then his route would never be the one that's taken forward. So he's, it's his idea, but yeah. he doesn't get to execute it. And really, he should have worked in a partnership with a writer in advertising. Yeah. That is yeah, where he that should have been. Yeah, advertising type thing. Yeah, because he has just got those great ideas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, and that's where his values, and you can't, I don't think you can buy that or learn it. So no, that's just can't. something that's just the way he You're thinks. right, I mean, I wanna, I've been writing a lot about this now for another book and, uh, called The Chemistry of Creativity, and then looking right back at all those quirks from childhood and why they're relevant and vice versa. But the thing that you find is there were always the origins of these, the, like you say, the way you think was always there, you know, the way, in my case, I've been writing about, you know, things I got in trouble for as a kid, and it was, it's that cantankerous side that now applied to design has become so valuable. Back then, it got me in trouble, and it's like, you know, it's it's interesting, it's there, you can develop it, you can apply new things to it, and it evolves, but you can't coach it, it's very hard to coach. Yeah, like, with me, it's frustrating, like, I'm sort of, I've got a science background, 
and but I've got a, a sort of I suppose an, an artistic side as well and you'd hope that one would help you on one side and one would hope help on the other but in actual fact it's the absolute opposite so my filings are mess and really lazy where you'd hope the logic side would kick in and keep it nice and clean and organised and yet then the logic side gets in the way of me trying to design because I think oh you can do that it's just that's daft that's daft like, whereas really I want the other side to go yeah it's just, just go for it yeah. and the two op- are going the wrong way they're not, they're not helping me out here <laughs> you know it's not giving me you know this perfect harmony yeah. um, so it's just you know it's, it's funny it's interesting it? yeah and like you said the, 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 the kind of the advent project type thing I can, I've known that happen to people I haven't had one as such mine's been more of a general development but but the best one I, I can think of there was a guy who graduated a few years after me from UCLan in Preston and I think he'd done one project if that and he, and he got featured in Vice magazine and, and Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age saw it and wow. flew him out to LA to work on the last album so second to last album artwork free music videos singles and stayed with him out in LA and I was like that's what I imagine that and it did and, that, and he's now he's going on the bone face you know and he's got his reputation and he's it's uber cool and it's like okay that's that's a great example of it just catching fire for somebody which does happen but like I said it's, it's, it's always different between any given group of people it changes so what is your background and where are you from and what's um, from what you we, we were a lot of people start drawing as a kid that's 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 the common, one of the common threads but not everyone yeah that, that, so that, so in that sense I am just like cliche same background I used to draw incessantly and and so much so that when I ran out of paper, I'd draw on the wall. Oh. And then my mum said she wouldn't have minded if I'd just picked various spots. But I always picked the same spots. So the problem is that place got really pale where she kept <laughs> scrubbing it off the wall. So it was noticeable then. And then uh, I was also, uh, I, was, I was obsessed with logos. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's, it's almost like, like almost a no brain. It's like, well, obvious now what I do. But then like, like I used to love, like when you get like, like bags and stuff or whatever you know we had the zip that's all cast in metal with the logo and yeah. I thought that was just like so cool I was like wow look at that it's amazing and I used to try and copy the logos and I, the Adidas logo is incredibly difficult to draw um, and it's a sort of half floral one yeah and it's, yeah. it's so it's so mathematical and whatever And but the problem I had was I I couldn't draw from my head I'd have ideas but I couldn't get what was in my head on the paper but I, I was better at actually if you put something in front of me I was obsessed with trying to make it look real, like mm-hmm. make it look exactly like that, like a photograph. But then that's another reason why I sort of thought I was swayed away from doing art as a critic. So I thought, well, who's going to pay me to copy other stuff? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also that was kind of restricted to me in a way a bit, I think, because even with my art GCSE, they said, oh, you're great, works great, but you haven't got enough experimentation in here. So then they'd get, because I used to be appalled when I'd go, hey, let's just throw some glitter on you. Be like, what? Don't touch it. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you, what are you, you're going to wreck it, you know? Whereas, <laughs> and I've got more experimental as I've got older and, and been able to sort of, and computers have helped me because I, I remember um, even, I even had an art package on my ZX Spectrum mm. and, um, and I even did some of my GCSE artwork on my Amiga. Wow. And, and so I think it was great because if I had an idea, it, it was a tool that enabled me to sort of try and experiment with it and try and get what was in my head actually, you know, f- you know formulated. And, and the funny thing is, is because I think I was too controlled with the, uh, my drawing and stuff and I was, I was too anal about it, it had to be this way and I, could, I was too uh, restricted. Um, 
I said to my wife, I said for my youngest, I don't want to influence him in any way artistically. And and for like the first couple of years, my my oldest was just not interested in drawing at all. I was like, that's, that's cool, you know, it's mm. cool, you know. Yeah. Finance is good, you know. That's <laughs> 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 laws good of her. Um, <laughs> and but then now, honestly, I can't. We can't keep. We can't get him paper quick enough. Wow. He's he's become prolific. Mm. And. But I still won't influence him at all. I won't draw anything. I won't show him how to do anything. I want him to be developed completely how he's going to develop. And it's been brilliant. Like he's he's blowing my mind because his stuff is really diverse. So one minute he's doing something quite minimal, like these minimal snowmen in just black with like the orange for the carrot. And oh, he's wow. like he's like he's like a sort of four. And then but the next minute he's done this abstract sort of pattern like stained glass I was like wow that's, that's great and then he goes oh I've done a stained glass house I'm not a glass house a stained glass I was like oh, I've never heard of a stained glass that's just a really cool idea <laughs> yeah and then he's sort of then taking that and putting it in something else and then the other day he started putting it onto a letter I'm like whoa you're trying to wow. take my job here like yeah. I'm the one who does the letters around yeah. here and so yeah so it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens to that but I don't want to influence in any way mm. And then he started, but then I have, I can't help influence because then he starts going, he starts going, talking about like he's got this sort of desk where he just goes, oh yeah, this is my studio. I'm like, oh no. And then even a young well, that's age. That's healthy, I think. Yeah, and then a young age is going, oh yeah, I've done a logo. And he's, so he's picked up this word. He doesn't really know what it means yet, but he's picked up because he knows that daddy yeah. does this. Yeah. And so it's fascinating that even when you try not to influence, you are, you can't help it. You are influencing without even being aware of it. Yeah, yeah. The, it's just yeah. in your and environment. That's really interesting. I was talking to someone recently about the difference between, uh, you know, kids with tech now, obviously it's ingrained from an early age because that's the world we live in. But I was talking to someone and, and uh, it was my obsessive nature and my very limited cultural horizons which were wrestling. Leeds United and Blur that was pretty much it that sounds like a full but, character but because of the, that and, and limited access I didn't have the internet I couldn't just go and look at everything and I explored those things to death on all levels you know so everything from in the wrestling with the ring gear to the to the everything on the screens because that was that was my world I had like two magazines and would just look at them all the time whereas with everything I think I, I, someone said to me recently that the, the kids are kind of so like scatterbrained they've got so much at their fingertips that they don't find that one that you know they don't get into punk or any, any one thing or movement and I don't know maybe I don't know it is what it is it's just the world we live in now so it's, I don't know if it's bad or good but I, I yeah. wonder that's interesting that you say about you know that you're, you're about four is really kind of yeah because that's, that's the thing isn't it but it's kind of weird because I, I like the fact that we're from the generation we were because we've seen the transition so we remember Pong as a computer yeah. game and now when I see computer games now they blow my tiny mind I'm like mm. this is like being in a film this is incredible and then my, like you sort of try and convey this to my niece who's like 12, 13 she's like she's just thinking this is just ever so slightly better than the one we had before. I'm like, you don't understand. Do you don't understand yeah. how amazing this is? I, you know, I see these things all the time and I'm so, like, these sort of new inventions. I'm just, it, it gets me so, like, I'm like, we're living in the sci-fi movies from our childhood. We're actually, I never thought I would see these things happen yeah. and they are happening now. Um, but then the other side, as you say, like, with the, the technology, I'm sort of, I want them to know how to use it, but I don't want them to get hooked, you mm. know. And it's it's kind of 
it is kind of interesting like you sort of when you give sometimes a child a toy and they go what does it do it's like no 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 what does it do what are you going to do with it you know that's yeah. the thing it's like well where are the buttons well it hasn't got any buttons and we got this like camera for my uh, son because he was like trying to take pictures on the iPad all the time so like well get him this kid's camera and then with the buttons he kept trying to touch the screen and you've got to press the buttons around the outside of the screen it's like because they're so used to a touch screen course, yeah. and it's so you know it's funny how it's just fascinating isn't it yeah it's going to be interesting to see where that goes so you, you've, you're from down south originally yeah yeah from south east London yeah. yeah and how long have you been up north I literally moved up in 2016 so yeah. um, it's quite funny actually because I went to university in Leeds and it's the first sort of place I really felt at home because being on the outskirts of London I, I could have been anywhere you know and so I got called when I went to Leeds, um, I, I've, I'm one of these people that's attracted a lot of nicknames over the years, but when I got to Leeds, my nickname was Cockney Wanker. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the funny thing is, at first, I didn't, when I first got there, I didn't know any rhyming slang at all. But then I thought, this isn't going to go away, so you may as well embrace it. So I started learning slang at the, the top just to make them laugh. And, uh, and I'd go to this bar, and all the people would be on the bar and go, Wanker, like this, hands up in the air. And I'd be like, and everyone, people look at me and go, they just called you a wanker. And I'd be like, yeah, but I know them, and they're giving me half-priced drinks. It's all good. And so, so I went up there, and it was great, and I, I loved it. It was brilliant. And because it had been in the outskirts of London like in this sort of small town mentality like everywhere around the country you know it's just full of people that are very narrow minded you go to university you meet all these people they really open your mind to you know before you'd see this person looks really weird dressed strange you think whoa can't talk to him and then you realise that he's just a really sound guy um, but just happens to like a certain type of music yeah. that's all or into a certain scene and and then so that's all I was thinking of just staying up there and so forth and then when my mates from uni came down to London, go, oh, God, you know, where should we go, Colin? I was like, I don't know. I don't know where anyone lives. Like, but you're from London. It's like, yeah, but I never went into London. It's too mm. far away, too much to get back and so forth. I don't know anywhere in London. Anyway, grew to like it more uh, once I got John London sort of, you know, and uh, got to know it more. And then my girlfriends have tended to be from up north. I don't know why. I think maybe they're more tolerant or more easygoing. I don't know. And I, uh, one of my girlfriends moved back up north so then when I met my current wife, I said to her, I said, and she's from Manchester, so I said, I said, right, uh, so just, just so we get this out of the way, you've got no desires to go back up north, have you? And so, oh, no, 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 been there, done it, got the t-shirt, Manchester's too small, you know, no, no, no. So then we were on our honeymoon in India, and she goes, I've been thinking, like, you know, why don't we move to Sheffield? I'm like, what? Where, 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 where has this come from? Like, oh, oh, you know, this, this is a bit late now, this is breaking the deal, you know, <laughs> like we had an agreement, yeah? <laughs> But then, you know, as time goes on, same old, same old, like, you know, we lived in a nice part of London, we had a great flat and stuff, but you couldn't park outside, got two children, schools nearby aren't good, mm. usual reasons, and then, you know, we could move up to Manchester, give the children a better life, actually have a house as opposed to a flat, um, and my wife's from there, so the, her folks are just around the corner, so it's, it's just a no-brainer, and not never looked back, actually, to be honest, because mm. we were having all the hassles of London without the benefits, like, we weren't... It was, it was such a stress to take the children to any of the big, say, museums mm. and stuff. So busy, so they would get there, so you didn't really go. It's not like we were going out fine dining or, you know, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, what, you know, it's actually coming hard. Yeah, it burned me out in the end. I had a good time there, it was great for networking and everything, but exactly the same sort of drawbacks as you said. I mean, we've got this 
great studio set up here in the city centre and you know a, a seem, seemingly growing community, creative community now in the city which is very exciting there's a lot of kind of London expats moving oh, for the yeah. same reasons you know so um, I, I found scared like I knew there was talent here but I found actually physically scared seeing how good people are up here but it's been great I've met more people in the industry since I've been here than the whole rest of my career yeah and it's been amazing people are very open I find so, well, so what were the what were the actual steps then to become a designer? I mean, you said you weren't taught and you, you had the interest from young, so at what point did you decide you might want to do this for a living? It, yeah, I sort of, um, so, I had, so I had to get a job, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I sort of, and I had like this science degree, but the thing is, it's quite funny, some of the people who my degree, at the time it was quite a new thing, it was environmental chemistry, so it was this new course and whatever, and and then some of the people that were trying to get work experience in the holidays said, call up these companies and they go, so what are you doing? So environmental chemistry. And some of them would literally laugh or put the phone down because it was seen as this Mickey Mouse class. And I, I was just, I was then so arrogant because I remember at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, I can't do pure sciences. So I took this sort of, you know, supposedly sort of bit, take the edge off, you know. Applied to, I only applied to university that was in the top 20 entertainment cities. I wasn't, wasn't interested. wasn't really that bothered about what uni it was. And then got all these offers because everyone was desperate to get you on the course and then it actually turned out to be quite hard because you're in all these different departments but anyway come out of uni so I don't I didn't feel particularly qualified for anything specific and the environment industry wasn't really I was offered a PhD but didn't take that and the environment industry didn't, wasn't really as big as it is now like now it's probably it's a growing massive potential sector so then sort of wasn't qualified enough for financial stuff da 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 wasn't qualified enough for this and this ended up working at a newspaper just in the admin area and then I noticed that I was I sort of started helping the um, the sort of sales guys as with like their um, their presentations and stuff because they were they were terrible at putting them making them look good. Then started helping with like sort of mocking up little ads for the newspaper how it could look in place, and they were really like because it helps you know, okay, yeah. the client. Oh, this is what it could look like. And then they wanted me to sort of go down a sales route, offer me like a sales manager role. I was thinking, no, I don't want to do that, even though it probably would have been quite lucrative. And then decided, I sort of thought, right, I want to get into design. So I went and spoke to a friend of my auntie's, who's a graphic designer, and he's, I said, how do I get into it? And he goes, well, you can either go back to school or go and work for free, like an agency. I said, well, I can't afford to do either of those, so I have to find another way. So my mum managed to get hold of the software, the packages, and that is crappy old PC. And so I learned that in my own time, started doing bits and bobs for people who knew people, you know, in my, and basically just trying to catch up, mm. basically. So come home from work, blah, 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 and then just work doing design all the time. And then managed to eventually wangle some kind of in-house design role that was in the marketing department, just doing like little in-house ads and so forth and uh, in-house brochures and all sorts of stuff for the newspaper. And then somehow blagged this design role when I left there in this PR agency that had a little design studio within this financial PR agency. And uh, my first role when I got there was to rebrand the whole company. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was completely, I thought I was literally going to get fired within my first six months. Because I remember going to the big head honcho, showing him some visuals for this like layout for stationery and so forth. And he goes, well, where's the grid? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I literally didn't know, what's, what's a grid, what's a grid? what is a grid right <laughs> I was clueless and these designers luckily I've been working with and they mainly did annual reports uh, you know identity work they've been like in the industry 10 years plus all really good they were, they were too good to be where they were basically mm. somewhere along the line they'd ended up here really need to get their arse in gear and get the hell out again before it's too late 
anyway I said to one of the guys I said look I'm only going to be here about a year and a half then I'm out because I always, always knew I wanted to work for myself mm. always and then he said no 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 the postman only came around the other day and he's been here five years like you ain't getting out of here seriously you're stuck I said like, I'll, bet you, <laughs> I'll bet you 50 quid just as an incentive to make sure I left I'll give you I'll bet you 50 quid I'll be out by this day and he's like alright you're on so I missed my date by about a week <laughs> but fortunately he put the money in my leaving pot uh, and, um, but then I learned one of the most valuable lessons ever because when I left I managed to get some uh, freelance work from them briefly and also I built up some of my own clients and then I sort of and so I thought right I'm ready to go and I did some I did a bit of like the you know the agency where you're in here a week here a day blah blah but I did this work for them for this annual report and one of the amendments I missed but all of the suits like the account handlers and the client all signed it off it went to print it was the big head honcho cheese's mate he went ballistic so he's passed it back to my old boss my old boss is getting it in the ear so he's then sort of basically blamed me and said oh we're not paying I'm like whoa hang on a minute no 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 that's not happening and he's just trying to appease his boss so I've then got a debt collector on him and said no and, and he said oh well, let's talk about it on the phone I said no no we won't talk about it on the phone we'll keep it on the email so I've got a record of everything that's said yeah and he's like why are you being like that I was going to pay I said well if you were going to pay because he paid and I was like well then why, why put me through that and it was such a good lesson because you gone from one minute talking about what he did at the weekend with his kids, thinking, mm. blah, next minute he's just trying not to pay me. And okay, yeah, I missed something, but so did all of them. Like, yeah. why is it yeah. I... And he knows how much I need this. They're a big company. I've gone out on my mm. own. And it just shows you that when it comes down to... It was a big lesson that when it comes down to business, people change. And, and nothing counts until it's in the account. You know, yeah. there's so many things that can just mean that to go wrong before until it's in the actual bank account nothing is definite for sure it's true it's a good that is a very valuable lesson so my girlfriend Laura had a similar instance once where same thing she she missed something a typo or somewhere and um but you know that's why you've got editors and uh, and and whatever other roles are overseeing and commissioning that project they're they're the ones who should be signing that off not the designer exactly you know let's make it look good if you know if there's a t- I think got it on my invoice that I don't I don't accept responsibilities for mistakes that yeah. have been signed off Laura because, is the same now yeah, yeah ever since that you know and yeah it's, it's, but even now though it's so frustrating like even now I've still got people that he's just trying to get the money out of them it's just like come on just pay me yeah and I don't appreciate one how much time you've put in on the project most of the time and two how much pressure or stress they're putting you under and like as I said to this client the other day I've worked with him quite a long time but twice he's put me in this position I said I'd love to have some sympathy for you, but bear in mind the first time this happened, you were in the process of selling a flat for several hundred thousand pounds. That's why you had a cash flow issue. And this time you've got a cash flow issue because you're in the process of buying a business that's worth over a million. Now, you only owe me a couple of grand, so please, I know I'm being maybe a bit unsympathetic, but I'm struggling to sympathise when you're talking about these it's problems and, you know, long said and done. Yeah. The, you know, it's in the scheme of things, um, you, you've got you're, you're fine definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah just please pay me, pay me the money because I can't pay the developer either uh, you know my word oh, yeah, yeah these, well these are the issues of freelance aren't they and uh, so I think there's a real cohesion to your style looking like your portfolio which is great I mean you've got a real varied project set <laughs> that's the right word going on on your website but um, I think there's a real I don't know what it is quite slick it strikes me as quite slick some of it there's a there's a real there's a nice cohesive look to it all 
when you started out, did you have any kind of sense of what you wanted to look like? What, what you wanted? This, this is the really interesting thing because I've had someone else has said that before that they've used that exact word slick, which I thought was really strange. I was like, oh, okay, and also people have said, oh, you've got a style, and for me though. I think because you're too close to it, I can't see it. And I've always worried that I haven't got a strong enough style. Because certain people use a slight strength, it's like, that's got to be such and such, because that mm. so distinctively looks like their work. And so I've always been paranoid that I haven't got a strong enough style and that that's held me back. And it's so funny that when uh, people then say, oh, yeah, I, I, you know. So I think sometimes you're too close to it. And that, there's never been any design at all with regards to trying to for me it's just been more organic I've just wanted to I only ever wanted to try and become a good designer and try and be able to make a living mm. like I've never wanted to grow an agency as such like yeah. I, I, I've happily grow and outsource but I don't want the responsibility and the pressure of people's jobs depending on me or become a manager that's only that's no reason why I went on my own most professions the reason managers are bad is because they never intended to be a manager. No, most people never train to be a manager. Mm. They become a manager because they progress up the chain, and the next job is right. Oh, you, you're now the manager. I was like, yeah, what? Yeah, like, yeah. Where, where did? Where, how do I do that? Well, I make it up. Yeah. And also, when these people become managers or art directors or account handlers, you're no longer doing what you wanted to do. You became a designer because you wanted to design. You became an illustrator because you wanted to illustrate. So therefore, the only way to actually progress and get make a better income or whatever or and still retain that is to go on your own so yeah I, I didn't I never wanted to do that and also one of the first people I spoke to he said oh don't don't ever hire people properly it's, it's really stressful and really difficult and there's loads of red tape and he says just have the freelancers they cost more but at least you got that yeah. flexibility so I don't know it is fascinating because I still I still feel like I've been doing it such a long time but I still feel like I've barely started because I think for a long time I, I well at the beginning I was sort of four, it was a double-edged sword I, I, I got this massive media company like global media company so I thought I'd made it I thought brilliant you know pay me day rate give me more work I can practically handle yeah this is it but although that was good because it sort of helped me sort of do up certain things on the other side it was kind of bad because I forgot what was most important you, you're only as good as your book you're only, your work is king it has to be mm-hmm. and that is ultimately gonna you know and that's what you should always be focusing on and so then when I had people asking me to submit something to a book or a publication, I, I realised very I was like, I haven't got anything to submit because it's all become so dry. Right. And then because I was so working, working on them, you've always got to keep topping up clients because they, they drop off, they come back, but you, you have to keep adding more clients. And then they'd pitted away and I was literally working just for them practically. And then when the crash happened and they sort of clawed back, I was like, <laughs> oh no it's, I was, I'm in a spot here yeah because everything mm. always were in one basket Shit, yeah. yeah so um, and it was a really good lesson so and then I sort of that sort of then made me sort of refocus again on you know trying to do better work and blah blah and so really I feel like I've only really been trying to push things more for the past five years really try and push myself try and mm-hmm. actually really so that's why I don't feel in some sense that I've actually been going as long as I have but on another level I get annoyed myself thinking I shouldn't be here after this many years I should be further down the yeah. line so you get annoyed yourself like what have I been doing all this time why yeah. am I only here when I should be there yeah. um, I think we all feel that to a degree because it is a, you can't force it that's the thing you can't push development any quicker than it happens naturally you know? yeah it's, but it's, the thing that 
one of the worst one of the worst things about working for yourself that I think is that is what it makes you realise and it makes you realise all the things you didn't perhaps want to know so like I I remember when I was younger I was probably uh, the more I think about it I must have been right cocky little shit I must have been <laughs> even though I, I, even though I don't I'm not I'm not particularly I talk a lot but I'm not particularly confident so I think you're either quiet or you yabber and I yabber and but yeah, when I think about it like I just I used to have all these I used to think these certain things about myself that I was this 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 and this but then as you progress I realised that I'm none of the above and all the things I thought that was oh, good strong characteristics I'm like I'm not that I've uh, you know and it's, it's almost quite upsetting it's like, oh, that's yeah. quite annoying I, I thought I was good at that I thought that was one of my strong points and it's not at all and it's quite it's, it's, so it's good to be self aware but sometimes it's, ignorance is bliss and it's like I'm not sure if I wanted to know that about myself you know it's, I'm feeling like you know less confident as I go along but then I think also that's again with uh, experience when I was younger I thought it was good but I was shit Oh yeah, but now I'm better. But now I'm harsher on myself than I ever was before because I now put my I've set the bar higher. Yeah. I'm more aware. So now I'm ripping the crap out of my work and myself. But actually, I'm probably all right. Mm. And it's kind of the it's it's, it's kind yeah. of like so funny that yeah, well, you can It's very hard to it's the wood for the trees, isn't it? I I was submitting some work for the World Illustration Awards just this morning, and I find it very difficult to to nominate projects for awards. You have, you have that constantly like split mind of like oh god who's judging what do they want to see and then you shouldn't ever consider that really it should be stuff you're passionate about but then you look at it and you go oh, fuck is any of that stuff good for an award yeah. or, and there's so many conflicting things and it's very easy to lose confidence and I lose it on a you know sometimes a daily basis there's oh. always a dip you know oh yeah mine can go from half hour to half hour but <laughs> yeah. like the hardest thing I had to do recently it wasn't a project it was just trying to decide I, I, I've got this ad going in this a magazine thing and I and rather than feature one piece because of the, the grid it wasn't going to work and the, the aspect ratio is all so I was like so it's like, okay let's put a f- couple of pieces in trying to decide what pieces to put in this grid honestly it's just so hard I was like well I don't know, do, you know should I show variety or should I sort of concentrate on one sort of set yeah it's just, it's, just, it's just so ridiculous like, why am I finding it so hard it's ridiculous it is isn't it I think it's why it's also because that's what you were saying it's, it's good to share stuff out there and get feedback from people but at the same time it does kind of force you to confront things you know yeah. Yeah. so yeah the, the, the bliss is do, do I really nice. want them to rip, <laughs> yeah. rip it apart that's it yeah that being said I mean I'm looking at your site you've been you've had a nice kind of run of uh, it seems like there's a nice sprinkling of awards and kind of press features and you know so is that is that something you happy about the, the sort of press side of things you weren't being picked up by magazines um it's it, i don't know it's weird like it's it's like all these things like it's it's kind of like nice to get featured and everyone likes it and everyone likes people to say nice things about your work but i don't know like as i said it's going to get into that smoke and mirrors thing like but then people then assume that you must be doing really well or that you're mm. this, that, and the other. But it's just all twaddle, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't... Because <laughs> so many people, like... I think in advertising, from my experience, when I've... For them, awards is the be all and end all. Like, you have to say you have all these mm-hmm. awards, and it is so important. Like, they put uh, so much emphasis and on And then they cost loads to enter. Yeah, yeah. But and but they've got so much money flying around anyway. But for them, it's... it's but then so many people I spoke to design-wise, like, they've said that... Is like made no difference, and and also like even though like 
I've 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 I won I've won a couple awards just because I entered one because I this is where it's a bit dodgy. I entered one and I was actually the judge for the category. I entered. And I said, like, "This can't be right." So I'm like, it's all it's all it's all. They said, no, "It's okay. It's, it's all above board. You won't actually judge your own work." And I was like, oh, "Okay, you sure? Yeah, yeah." And then I ended up being one of the winners. And I'm like, "Oh, that looks well suspect." <laughs> but then I only entered the following year because I thought, "Well, that, that must be easy to win that one if I if I won last year." So I entered again and I won again. I thought, "Wow!" And then the only other one I've won is because the client submitted it on my behalf and I said, "Oh, you've won an award." I'm like, "No, I haven't. I've entered an award." Said, yeah, yeah. I was like. Oh, that, that was good, you know. Mm. But for me, I think I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't want to enter unless I think I've got a chance of winning. Because I don't think I've got a chance of winning, mm. I think, well, I'm not going to invest that money on myself. So yeah. I've got no chance. And the other thing is, well, even though I've won an award, I could never bring myself to put like my opening statement. And, and, and I've got nothing against doing it because I think it does help. And why wouldn't you if you've won an award? And lots of people do it. But I don't think I personally could write award-winning designer blah 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 because I just feel like a tear it's hard isn't it I did it for a while because I just back, back stories I was doing all these things podcast writing various stuff and someone said look there's this new award saying there's a creative agency of the year where you're doing loads of different stuff and they accept individuals so I thought oh, that would be funny if I can and end up winning the thing as an individual which was hilarious you got all these agencies sat at his table and it was just me and my girlfriend and I'm like it's ridiculous I'm not an agency but, it, but whatever it's quite funny but it hasn't made any difference. Uh, same thing. And, and, I, and I've stopped putting that now because you just feel like that's actually like a no. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And, but ultimately, also, what does it really mean? Exactly. Like, but the funny thing is, is like, um, in one of these awards, like, you could go, I put myself in as an individual because it was basically because it was cheaper. Like, I was like, I'm not paying for that. So that's amazing. Also, I reckon it might be, you know, the competition might not be as tough. Mm. And then they've put me in as a, as a, as, as a studio. I'm like, don't do that I'm up against like monotype and, and all these big guys and like Fontsmith I was like I haven't got a chance now I'm like I'm, I'm one of the big agents he's like put me back down there I was like oh no he went oh no I think you should stay where you are I was like really oh okay <laughs> and then obviously to then win is even you know better oh, so um, did, you did win yeah oh, but well, then okay. the funny we... thing is, is I, was, I went down to London and it, it's, it's quite a low key one so it's not like you know mm. like dinner or anything yeah. everyone's just milling around and then and then I, I saw a few walls and I thought, like, oh, I'll just give it to Lou, but there's a massive queue for the Lou. Anyway, because they've got one Lou for the whole place. So I've come out and I was like, hang on a minute, I'm sure that was after my wall. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> I missed my moment of glory. I was like, did, oh, did, did, no. I, I did, actually, did I actually win? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were you? I was like, oh, sorry, I was in the toilet. So we'll oh, have to get a photo taken with him at that board over there. I was like, oh, okay then. So, so I missed it anyway. Okay, yeah. flies off. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so it's just sort of I don't know. It's kind of um, brilliant. It's kind of like what what does it actually what does it actually really mean? Because you know you've got to be. It's not like if it's not like say you know if every if they looked at all the work and mm. then they it uh, done by everyone, which obviously they couldn't, and then said right, you guys are now been handpicked and are now in for the running. Then, but then you know, but it, seeing, seeing as you say, because you have to pay to enter. Yeah. It's only really the best of potentially of who's entered, which again is then such a small amount. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's over a subjective, isn't it? So that we all like a pat on the back sometimes. But exactly. Yeah. I th- I don't think people should get too hung up on them. No, really, it's just I think it's a bit of fun in the night out. Often. often. Exactly. <laughs> so how do you get how do you get your work? Are you are you a sort of talker? Do you, do you work with people you know? Or do you yeah, have this that, this is the market. This this is the big this is the biggest problem. That I still have that I still haven't solved, um, 
and I'm trying to work out whether it's why is the issue is it because I haven't networked enough over the years is it because of my approach because the thing is this is where I get so frustrated myself because I sort of it's okay sort of making stuff as you go along and learn as you go along but you've actually got to at some point there's certain things you can't just pick up Mm. I think you actually have to go and actually find out how to do it properly and that's where I think I haven't done that enough in the past and now I'm doing a lot of Re, uh, more reading um, podcasts, videos with people who actually know what the hell they're talking about of how you should um, approach clients, how you should price, how you should put yourself mm. forward. Because um, that's the thing, again, people assume that you must be getting in the day of work, and that's not the case. Like, I'm still, I still struggle just as much to try and get clients, and it was a problem just trying to find clients that actually got like an actual reasonable budget. Because it's just, you know, you still get these people, like, one the other day said they wanted to get like a website with the functionality and brand and stuff and all this sort of thing with the functionality of like TripAdvisor I said wow that's complex yeah oh non for profit okay right as if that's going to sway things I'm like okay so, so what's your budget oh, around £700 I'm like oh, that's like, seriously oh, like, wow. like you know what planet are you on like so it, yeah so that's still uh, an issue whereas I think other people that have played it right or or maybe it's also just down to the work maybe my I sort of then start wondering whether maybe my, work, my work's a bit marmite like you know, so some people, I get some people that are really, really enthusiastic to say that they you know, really love it, and then other people I think they're like, no. So maybe that's an issue. So it's trying to work out, you know, how you do get regular work in. Mm. You know, some people I know they're just completely inundated, and is that because of the way they are? Is it because of the connections they've built, or is it because just people love their work? Is their work more accessible? So mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's that's the million dollar It's an question. ongoing conundrum, isn't it? It is, it, yeah. It is difficult. I mean, it is. It's difficult for everyone. I, I haven't actively marketed for a while now, and um, I've been busy enough to keep, you know, to pay to pay the bills to keep going. But I always prize time for me, and you know, I do a lot of writing. I do this show. I do uh, personal projects, and a lot of paying projects that I'm passionate about. You know, and I'd rather. I think I'd rather you know go without that extra ten grand to retain that. So. You know, like we say, it's, it's that editing thing. It's not, I think everyone's, you know, even if someone's so rammed that they're consistently busy all the time, is that healthy? Are they leaving time for them to, to develop? I don't know. It's not always that what it's cracked up to be. It, I suppose it depends on what what you, what value you place on the financial side of it as well. Yeah. See, that's yeah. So for me, like, I I know some designers that like their aim was to just make big money. Mm. I, I'm not that. For me, it's not the key factor at all like I know for work if I wanted to make money there's far easier ways to make money than design design is not the easy way mm-hmm. and I had options previously where I could have gone down different career avenues and probably would have been far more lucrative for me though is the problem is also once you well, now I've got children and stuff the pressure is now increased because now if I'm sort of not doing for, doing well I don't, like, it's just me it's like well you know I'll survive but then I'm sort of letting them down mm. and also I've got to think about like, you think about the future more about like you know securing that sort of thing so um, yeah and I was trying to basically get I need to get I think the healthier way is to get to bigger better budget projects so you're doing less projects Yeah. because otherwise like, people don't seem to understand like they sort of say they don't get it it's like okay say for example you took that project and that budget you're talking about how many of those projects do you think I'd need to do a year to even make the average wage of the country yeah. if you think about it that way now you might see why I want to charge more than that and in fact also people don't forget they, you know they sort of hear a day rate and first you know for argument's sake or, what, or the rates you base your pricing on 
And again, that's a mistake as well because, you know, then you get into that idea of if you're better and can do it quicker, should you earn less? No, it's, it's, that doesn't work out either. And, and people are also oblivious to the idea that you can't work 52 day, weeks a year. I remember reading this alarming thing where it worked out how many days you can actually probably realistically work in a year. And it's only like something like 170. Then once you then look at that and then work out how much you want, you need to earn a year and then work out how much therefore you need to roughly earn a day, then you start thinking, wow, actually, um, it's not unrealistic to ask these kinds of sums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, and that's what's frustrating when you get the alarming stats I saw the other day that 70% of clients expect designers or creatives to, to pitch for free. And that's our own fault as an industry. You know, only we can try and grab, that's never going to totally go away, but only we as an industry can actually try and say, do you know what, enough's enough. And I, and I you know, it's easy to say, like, I don't free pitch, but then saying that, say, for example, the, 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 the dream client you've always wanted came up and it's a massive opportunity you don't know what you're going to do but I try to avoid all that because you know I don't think it's the way forward and it just mm. basically pushes everything down and people expect it you know well it's true it's dangerous and I, I got told off by someone on social media recently um, they said I wasn't helping people who were already low on confidence because I shared a tweet from someone saying if there's a kicking off because he'd seen a lot of new illustrators charging like 30 quid a day you know less than a supermarket wage for work and uh, and I said you know yeah he's right let's stop damaging the industry and someone said oh that's not the thing you should be saying to people with low confidence but I believe that he's damaging the industry and I think it is destructive because it degrades the whole thing and, if, and also how's that boosted their confidence if like they work on something for a whole exactly. day and someone gives them 30 pounds exactly. if anything's going to deflate your confidence that's going to be this it. is the thing and, and like you say once there's a reason free pitching goes on and free internships because people have accepted it you know we have to take responsibility for uh, for our own actions and, and saying if everyone said no it simply wouldn't happen because people still need our service and like you said anyway about charging fair rates it's, it's this very specialist thing that takes a lot of blood sweat and tears to to, certainly to do full time therefore constantly charge a decent rate you know it's like you work hard to get to this stuff there's, there's a great uh, there's an agency in Canada or something and they did this great video it's on YouTube oh I know the one it's and brilliant it, and it goes into like a coffee shop and goes I'll tell you what you give me a coffee for free and if I like it I'll tell everyone about it yeah is that cool <laughs> and they're like, they're like no it's incredible isn't it's it it's five dollars it's like what no no yeah. come on that's a good, good option yeah. the fitness instructor one where they both sat there and yeah. they sort of space off the tight balls and he sort of goes oh you know this is free right and the guy's like Fucking wrong with you! <laughs> yeah. And the Italian American guy in the cafe as well, and he's just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> exactly. And I just said, like, if you spoke to any other sector and told them and suggested the, the just the this mere concept mm. of working or doing anything for nothing, they'd probably vomit on the spot. They're yeah. like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? It's that age-old conundrum, and. Uh, yeah, I hope one day we'll break it, but I don't know. As long as people still see it as, uh, you know, oh, it's a huge And it starts at the top as well, that's the problem. It's the big boys that are doing it more than anyone else because they're going for these big, massive pitches. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's a good point. I never thought about that, but yeah, you're right there. Like, and not even just in Crave, like when my wife worked at BT, she said they spent something like, I don't know, £8 million pitching for the NHS project. And it was a poison chalice. It was like it mm. was, and so much so that IBM apparently pulled out because they thought, no, this is a bad idea. Even though they'd, they'd already, no, actually, no, it was maybe IBM had spent like um, over a million pounds or something. And even after that, they still pulled out because they said, no, 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 this is, this is not a good one. We're going to wow. skip. Okay. And that, you know, what I mean, so that's the trouble. It's just, you know, just because it seems like you know, so great in reality, do you really want it? Yeah, you know? that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you've got, to, yeah, it's never, never easy. 
<laughs> so uh, I really liked your uh, DiCaprio Foundation work. How did that come about? That's a, that's a nice kick. Well, yeah, this is the weird thing. This is where, like, the internet's like a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? Like, on, on, the one, on the one level, I love Twitter and stuff because it's a leveller. So now, it doesn't matter who you are, you can potentially talk to anyone. Mm. Like, I, you know, way back, you've never been able to talk to these amazing designers at the top of their field, and now you can get into conversations with them, work with them, yeah. meet with them, which is great. But on the other side is now you're competing with the world. You're not mm. just competing with the guy down the road or blah, yeah. blah. And therefore, also, you're exposed to seeing all this great work, which can be intimidating. It's like, sometimes you think, why, don't, why am I even bothering? Like, look at these guys, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other good thing is that out of the blue, these people see you and like so it's so random like so they contacted me initially about doing some icon identity work and I was like yeah 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 and then it sort of fell away so oh, actually we're not quite ready for it I'll get back to you I was like oh, yeah damn so then gets back to me again I'm on the tram funny enough into town and he said he's, I'm looking at the email and he's talking about something he's after I'm like well, I'm not letting this one slip so I, I knew I'd done something that was along the same lines way back so I'd, somehow I managed to download the image on my phone and then he, attach it to email and send it back to him and said like, yeah something like this and he's like yeah 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 Get, so what so this is actually Leonardo DiCaprio well not himself personally one of his guys and so yeah so then they wanted these series of three t-shirts one for uh land one air and one sea and um and it was just really bizarre because then did this off like a couple of these design ideas and then they said oh yeah we've showed him to leo at the weekend and he prefers this one i'm like this is just really weird <laughs> right, okay and then to see the then when i saw the photo of him wearing it i was like this is really weird um and then actually now i'm doing some stuff now because they actually they decided they didn't want the two t-shirts now so i'm actually working on some um uh ID work at the moment uh, for these two different organisations they've set up and and uh, hopefully they say they've got some more coming down the year which is great because my after doing environmental stuff as uh, at uni ironically after all that time I've never had the opportunity to work on something mm. that was like positive on an environmental basis so to actually do that it's been it's been a double win you know Brilliant. so a great yeah. sort of option great project and with yeah. a, a good positive um, sort of cause behind it but the irony is weird how things happen like because I've literally just done an identity for a, a restaurant that had an elephant and now I'm there doing another elephant I'm like God, oh, I'm getting a bit sick of this elephant now like, this <laughs> elephant and it's not and the thing is also then I sort of feel bad as well because both projects are quite illustrative basically you know and then I sort of feel like I'm not an illustrator as such so I feel like you know it's all again because it's the, the fraud feeling that I've always yeah, got anyway. everyone gets that yeah, it, doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter you know, if you create a nice illustration then you, it doesn't matter it fits the job you know <laughs> yeah so I hope and that, that America's been great actually I'm actually looking to expand that because I think the clients I've had in America and that's and it's weird like I've had a couple in LA and some in New York and stuff I think that they've been more realistic about budget they've you know treated me well and it's just and and it's been it's been good actually so i'm actually now looking to try and actually build that even mm. further um don't get me wrong i'd love to work i, I still would really really love to have some manchester clients um, and stuff because they make sure that you're actually here yeah. so at the moment it's still really u.s and london at the moment um i had a random one in russia a year or so back but yeah so um but that's sort of fun as well the fact that you know it's just yeah. wherever it's great yeah same same here I've had nice experiences with American clients and um, yeah I don't know the budgets I've seen quite quite good over there. 
more, more, respect, more, more respectful of my guests. So I don't know, I don't know if that's a general thing or what, but just on a few instances. Well, just, just speaking to Stan Chow as well, he said, like editorial wise, he said it's just, it's just another level. He said, yeah. yeah is so much better over there for for probably you know editorial projects because mm-hmm. um, I've done a couple over there as well and um, yeah so um, I don't know like we'll see I, I I don't mind who I work for where they are <laughs> yeah oh me neither yeah that's, that's like, like you say it's like competing against the world but on the other side of it you are in the conversation you get these amazing in opportunities amazing places yeah it's crazy nice so what's what have you got anything exciting coming up um, yeah well I'm working with this. Um, I had a, a Skype call with this guy, uh, this DJ guy, and he, he, um, it's crazy. He was telling me these stories. Like, at one point, he said he was going like to sort of twenty countries in a month. And I'm like, what? And he said, he said, yeah, I go to America so much now that I've got this special pass. I'm not sure he got a special pass. Like, what are they talking about? And he goes, basically, he said he's got this special thing in his passport, and they have to do like a complete, you know, background check to make sure you you are who you are. But once you pass all that, because you come in so much, and I suppose all the VIPs and celebrities have this as well. And basically, it means that you just go straight to the front of the queue. They just go beep, and you just go straight through. Because, oh wow! And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, because he said otherwise it just take up so much of his time. And it's just insane. And he's telling me like um, how like <laughs> he, he had this crazy schedule where once he was in Brazil and he had to get to this gig in like Eastern Europe. So he had to get a flight from Brazil to Miami, change from Miami, fly to London. And because he'd been working too much, he collapsed in London airport with a, with a collapsed lung, yeah. right? Shit. Yeah. And so he's in hospital and the agency who's booked this all called him and said, so, so where are you? He goes, I'm in hospital. So so sweet you're not going to make the gig it's like no I'm not going to make the gig it's like well no you've got to make it and he goes well no I haven't because I'm in hospital mate like I'm in a bad way he goes well if you can't make the gig I don't think we can work with you again it's like well <laughs> sorry but that's fine by me I'm taking like I'm going to be off for like, like two months here, oh my yeah? god like, bye <laughs> you know wow I mean? yeah. and it's just insane so it's a really fascinating and I've got another DJ uh, client who again it, I've worked from hit with him. I've only met him once, but I've been working for about five or six years. And it's great because he, it's amazing seeing his transition because he was like, like really just trying to, you know, get out there mm. and blah, blah, blah. And he did these club nights and we did all these great things. And that's the one I, get to, I got, got to do some really experimental things with him. But now it's so great to see him doing tours of America with Dave Bird really and all something. Cool. It's really lovely to see him grow. Mm. Um, and what's really good about him is that even such a young age, he was so, so switched on, like really clued up. Mm. I couldn't believe it. Like when we were talking about doing a brand, he goes, oh, I want to grow it really slowly, really organic. I'm like, Wow, this is a breath of fresh air. Like, yeah. and this guy was like sort of twenty one, twenty two. I'm like, oh wow, well, you, you know. And, but then he also had so much experience at that point because he did like his first DJ gig in IB for at sixteen. So even though he was young, he had so much like experience under his yeah. belt. Yeah. And it's and I, that's what I find the real things I love about the job is one you get to work with loads of different sectors. So it's really fascinating seeing what people do for a living. Yeah. So when I meet people, I always ask what they do, and people go, "It must be boring to run up work." And it's like, well, no, for me, I find it fascinating seeing like. Well, that's what you do on a daily basis yeah, it's so yeah, bizarre because yeah. it's so different to you but also I love the fact that you can sort of it's really great taking something and then and seeing it grow or you start with nothing mm. and it just you, this thing and quite often you never would have imagined it would end up like this at the end because it goes on this big convoluted path yeah. and the thing at the end someone just think God, how did that actually come about but it's fascinating and that's one of the buzzes to see it sort of yeah. Grow, you know. yeah, yeah, it is a good, beautiful side of the job. Yeah, the, the sheer uh, range of people I've met is just unbelievable. I never would have done that, you know. So it's, it's an education in its own right, really. 
Right. When one of the guys in the that was in the building here, I got talking to him drinking one night, and he and he gets talking about his uncle, and I was like, all right, so you know, because oh yeah, so he was like one of the editors on um uh on uh, on Alien and Blade Runner. Oh wow! I'm like, what? Sci-fi royalty. I goes, I goes, what? He goes, he goes, yeah, he did a lot of it in his shed. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, like, like, what are you talking about? What are you, are you for real? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, and my, my, he goes, my family are quite into film stuff, and they tried to get me a job as a runner for Ridley Scott. But at the time, I wasn't that bothered about it. <laughs> I was like, and it's just always, wow. I know. So you meet these people, and it's just. And that's why I think these places are really valuable and important, and should be more, should be more of them, you know, because it's just it's great for everyone. It's, it's so random. People just develop and bounce off one another. It's you get these great, yeah. uh, unpre- unpredictable connections. It's quite, oh god. Brilliant. Well, no, so the last thing I was asking for guests, you'd probably know if you've heard the podcast, but it's called Shark in the Tank, and I ask them for a love and a hate. And it's both, it's loosely based within what you do with creativity, so it's a wide open question. It's very much on the spot. Right, okay. Um, one of the things uh, I've actually grown to love over recent time is actually, maybe I've been really fortunate, but I haven't. I'm sure there's a lot of precious people in the industry, but I've been really lucky. I mean, everyone I've met in my industry has been really genuine and sound person. Mm. And and yet when I've, as you say, working with different sectors all the time, sometimes you work it for a client once they think, oh man, that is horrible. That, like, one of the DJ clients, he booked a room for a night, for a club night, and I called him up and said, oh, you know about that room you booked? So yeah, yeah, what about it? Are oh, you going to have to double the rate? What are you talking about? I've booked it. It's like, well, you know, sorry. It's like, no, I'm not sorry. Is that, well, take it or leave it. I'm like, wow. and, and in the same sector as well, it's got so tough that another DJ client had in mind, I'm a DJ in 10 years or so, the, the DJ, the next DJ comes in for the better slot, goes, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this. He goes, why are you so nervous? Oh, it's my first gig. It's like, what do you mean it's your first gig? Like, this is the prime slot of the night, and I've been doing this 10 years. So you find it turns out that basically, because the clubbing industry has been so under so much pressure in the UK and the decline, that because he was able to secure and bring a hundred of his mates all ticket paying tickets that night, they've given him the slot no way. because they're that desperate to bring the people in. So you know, so I, I that's the nice thing. Like I've had so many people who don't know me, don't have to help me, but on social media have just been so supportive or mm. just give me advice or help or you know. And it's like it really blow, and it gives you faith because when this world is a pretty messed up place at the moment, and you can start to lose faith in humanity because yeah. we're, we're just idiots, you know, we do stupid things for stupid reasons all the time, and yet we think we're very superior to all the other animals, but I'm not so sure. Yeah. And but then every now and then, someone on like social media will help you solve a problem that's going to help you do your job and earn a living, and they expect nothing in return. You think that gives you faith again yeah. that people are alright I agree know? I agree yeah and such a like sort of you know consumer society it's really lovely and it is a great industry for that and the same thing I could point to this whole string of anything from mentors to, to just just passers by like you say you've just dropped a comment or a little bit of praise here and there and it just it really empowers you and it does, it does give, you, give you the faith so I'm right on board with that yeah that's a great answer so the hey I think um I don't know what with our industry. I think the. I think um. I don't know. It's a tricky one, really. I think, I I, I do I do it does bug me when I think. I don't know people sort of we we get too drawn into, um, 
certain things are good and certain things aren't a bit and we get carried away like and sometimes you're sort of looking at something that people are just raving about and sometimes you think I don't know I must be stupid because I'm not seeing it or I think sometimes there's there's, there's that can be I don't know that can be frustrating sometimes um, and then also I think we get a bit carried away like <laughs> you know with the opinions and stuff so there's the flip side that's one minute there's one side that's really supportive but then the other time like can be so damning about stuff and and you and you, it's so hard not to jump in and you've got to sort of restrain yourself because as you say until you know in context how that work was created all the problems and barriers that's jumped like perfect case in point was the one with like um, studio north which met him. like i was even skeptical of the science museum work but then when i saw the presentation at design manchester and the amount of work, like it was, it blew my mind. The, the amount of work that they produced to get to that, mm. they'd done like, like it's like ten brand projects worth of work. Each of them were like amazing, yeah. and the amount of attention to detail and the thing, the amount of level of thought that went into it. Until you saw that, you could never possibly judge it. Mm. And it was such an eye opener for me. I thought, Do you know what, I it's 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 easy to sort of jump in and judge it. And like, and even now, like, there's this identity I'm working on at the moment, and I've been throwing a complete like curveball at the end, and it's gonna. It's like, oh, don't do that, because then the, the holding companies decided they've got to do something to logo. It's gonna make it look. And now I'm thinking, how do I hide it on the project when I put it out there? And and in, and my immediate thought is like, oh, what people gonna people gonna assume that I wanted to do that? Yeah. That I it was my idea, and I thought that was a good yeah, thing to yeah. do. Yeah, you don't know what people thought parameters someone's been working with, do you? Exactly. So then, and then your immediate thought is like, you're gonna get judged, and that's that. And when I say hard, like don't get me wrong, it's like you know, it's not hard in the sense like there's people doing proper jobs out and stuff. But what I'm saying is, it sometimes is daunting when you put your work out there because you do immediately think you are exposing yourself you are yeah. saying like here's my work right yeah. I'm bracing myself for whatever yeah. you think of it yeah people people are too way too quick to forget that what makes any art form beautiful is that it's so subjective and that that's what's wonderful I love the fact that people love the band I, I love you know and then, but then there's no right or wrong that's why it's, I think everyone has to remember that there is no but then that is interesting so, that every time nearly every time a client selects a piece of work as a reference point for a starting point, they nearly always pick my personal projects. And I think it's because, that, yeah, because they haven't got the compromise, you've been able to do it and carry it out and make sensible decisions like, and logical, do things of a logical or real reason. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'd say to anyone, like, that's what, but the biggest revelation for me is the personal projects like mm-hmm. one it means that you reuse ideas they don't go to waste and you know and secondly it's been a me- means for me to sort of push and try different things I wouldn't have tried for and learn that way and lastly just I've got more recognition or exposure out of them than anything I've ever done for a client so yeah. I'd recommend any like and just as a release any sort of person out there just have pro- personal projects on the go definitely. absolutely it's a common thread and I think I just think yeah, in this industry, it's just when it comes from the heart and you and you mean it, 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 that comes across. I think even if you don't know the story, you know, it's evident in people's work what they what they've loved and what they haven't. I think a lot of the time, but that's been great. So thanks for your time. Yeah, sure. Well, it's been great. Thank you. Cheers to Mark Super Fried uh, for taking the time to have the conversation. We had that little while back, and I drove my heels in getting it out, and not for any reason 
other than the fact that I've had a lot of time-sensitive episodes and it just didn't quite fit in the running order. And, but here we are. I, I believe that these things happen when they're ready and, and I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I did talking to Mark. Go and take a look at his recent work. He's a real talent. Thank you for listening, as ever. It means a lot. Please do share if you enjoy. Uh, it's really important and it helps people listening to, the, to this because it's out there for free every week and it's advice from awesome people like Mark from Superfried, uh, like Tash Wilcox, who's coming up, like... Uh, Jim Sutherland from Sutherland Studio, arguably one of the best design studios in the UK right now, which is no mean feat. So we've got all sorts going on. Uh, Events-wise, I've been talking recently. I talked at Sheffield Hallam University and at Gab in Glasgow of late, and I recommend checking out Gab. They're a quarterly event run by Jam Hot, who are a, a, a couple of great guys doing wonderful work in Glasgow. I loved it up there. I don't know if you guys have been recently, but there's a fantastic creative scene. I spoke to O Street Studio when I was up there. That episode's going to be coming out very soon, 2019 one got Jane Boyer coming back to the show it's all going on and the enthusiasm is still right up there so help me keep that going drop a little review on the iTunes get us a, a word on the social and let me know what you're up to because I'm always looking for new episode angles so let's have that conversation but in the meantime we're going into December have a good one uh, get locked down stop spending them pennies if it's quiet because it's horrible around that time of year <laughs> well, anyway I've been rambling on for too long so thanks again to Matt from Superify thank you to the sponsors the AOI.com illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk go and support them all please and support the show thank you for listening take care have a great week